Hi everyone, hope you are safe and in good health. Welcome to the first podcast hosted by Anikit Capital. A bit about who we are. Uh, Anikit is an AMC that manages two debt funds with an AUM of about $100 million and an early stage angel fund. The team behind Anikit Capital comprises of seasoned professionals with background in private equity, venture capital, SME credit. The debt fund on one hand invests in growth stage companies with a check size of about 20 to 40 crore uh, rupees. Uh, on the other hand, the angel fund invests about uh, rupees 3 to 4 crore of equity stage capital in early stage companies. Some of our portfolio comprises of names like Vira, BSB, Milky Mist, Shield, Azure Hospitality, Neemans to name a few. Talking about our portfolio, we are joined by the founder of Neemans. Uh, Neemans was the first investment which Anikit made through the angel fund. This was in the period of Jan Feb this year. Uh, Neemans is a Hyderabad-based consumer brand which is currently making waves in the footwear segment. Uh, they are out to disrupt the market by introducing shoes made of merino wool. Their uh, motto is to provide new age footwear to the masses which are fashionable, comfortable, hygienic uh, and also doing their bit as far as sustainability is concerned which Taran, the founder, is uh, quite passionate about. Taran, thank you so much for taking out the time. I hope uh, all is well at your end. Everyone's safe. It's been a pleasure having you here. Same here, Dhruv. Appreciate uh, you know you guys uh, inviting me over the podcast and uh, sharing my journey with uh, with the audience. So a pleasure. Yeah, yeah. Cool. So I think uh, you know a lot of our listeners would uh, love to know a bit more about you know the venture and also. Uh, you know you as a founder uh, so you know help us help our listeners understand uh, you know from the start uh, before Neiman's uh, where were you what was your you know brief journey uh, then you know how did the idea actually uh, you know struck you in your mind sure so uh, you know I've uh, studied here uh done my first job or worked uh, for the third largest software company which was Satyam back then in India for about a, about two years you know wasn't thrilled with the kind of work that I was doing so I went abroad uh, did my master's in computer science and worked in America in different parts of America for about 10 11 years right uh, and uh, my background has been in you know strategy business strategy data strategy you know helping businesses you know the top fortune 500 companies up there in digging dive and doing a deep dive in the data and, and uh, figuring out what's the way forward. So I come from a core technology and a consulting background, right? And did that for uh, good about 10, 11 years. And, and uh, if somebody would have asked me, you know, uh, would I be starting making shoes, right? I would have never imagined that. <laughs> yeah. Dreams, right? So yeah. uh, didn't see that coming, right? I'd been not uh, thinking about starting a venture. I started a couple of ventures in America. I started my own technology firm. But after a point of time, the motivation was kind of lost because it was in a services industry. And I yep. didn't see myself uh, you know, doing anything different. So I shut that down. And uh, we were taking a trip. Uh, so this, this happened out of my own personal struggle, right? We were taking a family trip back in 2016. So we are... Uh, brothers, my two brothers flew from here along with their families up uh, to Spain and I, I, tra- I traveled with my family and my kid. Uh, up 
there and you know all my travels were always filled with uh, carrying multiple pairs of shoes uh, i had a running shoe i had a walking shoe i had a work shoe because i had uh, a meeting up in spain right a long shoe and, and uh, so all my travels were filled with uh, taking different types of uh, of shoes right and and maybe hmm. own 300 pairs of different brands uh, you know for the last 7 8 years and the luggage space and that comes with it absolutely right so the luggage space that comes with true but what happened back then was the suitcase was left aside during the check in process right and we were running around uh, trying to fuel that suitcase the check in time was closed my wife ran all the way up to you know the guy who was riding the train and you know forced him to stop the train so it was one discussion led to the other right it was just a very casual discussion between a husband and wife saying you know why do i have to uh, why do you have to be uh, you know the girl in the family it's me who has to you know back <laughs> so much and and uh, you know be the be the one who's who is constantly pushing for for shoes and and you to be a guy you know you keep doing that uh, you know my answer was straight saying that i don't find the right product like i don't find uh, an exceptionally comfortable shoe out there so my answer that my wife gave was why don't you create something right why oh. do you have to complain all the time why don't you do something about this and you know the, that trip ended something stuck uh, and i started doing more research about the footwear space i started talking to a lot of people abroad started talking to a lot of people in india and started doing a deep dive on how many pairs does a person own and why does he buy right i started asking more questions on why sure and this was on you know I, i didn't think that i'll start a brand i was uh, you know just my deep dive i've been a consumer for so long i'd done a lot of research while i used to buy a product but i never looked at it from a consumer point of view saying how are consumers thinking about footwear and the answer that i keep getting you know i kept getting from people all around was you know i want a comfortable pair of product yaar ek kuch aisa pehne ke liye chahiye jo bahut badhiya ho bahut comfortable ho So yep. the word comfort kept uh, coming back to me in, in you know one or the other way through different messaging technique. If I was talking to a 25 year old, his messaging was different. A 35 year old, his messaging was different. But all meant the same in the end. So I said, okay, there's a there's a gap here. I, I see an opportunity. And uh, and and then I started uh, you know doing more. research about this and started looking at how brands are are looking at this space and uh, post that i reached out to my co-founder who's my you know my elder brother i reached out hmm. to him i pitched him the idea right and when he bought into the idea that's when we started looking at uh, you know going full swing and and looking at how we can start something like this so that's the brief background brief. excellent excellent i think uh so i mean two three uh, points uh, you know which are noteworthy uh, taran i think and it would be very helpful to our listeners as well because uh, you know many of them would also be uh, aspiring entrepreneurs so i, I mean i found it very interesting when you mentioned that uh, you know you were from a tech and a consulting background and you know you never thought uh, that you will be selling shoes uh, you know was there any sort of inhibition in your mind uh, you know both from from your uh, perspective and also uh, 
you know, I'm not sure if, uh, you know, you had thought of uh, raising capital, uh, you know, going out to investors or not. But also, I mean, did, did this uh, thought come to you that probably, you know, what would an investor uh, think or gauge considering, you know, these are two very diametrically opposite uh, fields we are talking about. One is pure, you know, consumer shoes and, you know, the other is tech and consulting. Uh, I mean, what was, uh, you know, was there any... So when I, yeah, so when I started looking at, uh, you know, brand, right, I didn't think about, uh, the first thing that didn't stop me was what would investors think about it, right? Yeah. What would Mr. X or Mr. Y think about it? I was thinking about two things. One, uh, how do I solve my problem? Hmm. And is this problem big enough to be created a business? Is it just my problem or, you know, a handful of 100 people who keep complaining? Or is it big enough? Can we made, Can this be made into a big brand? Right? Hmm. That was one. So that, one is I want to do a very deep dive feasibility analysis of how big this could become, which would be the right country for this product to be launched. And how can somebody like me create this who had no, uh, you know, background in footwear? Mm. And, uh, you know, what I and Amar discussed about this space was this is our unfair advantage, right? Not coming from the background, not knowing about shoes uh, was uh, an unfair advantage because we were thinking like an outsider. We were thinking like a consumer. We were thinking like a customer. We were thinking about, you know, a common man who would just uh, walk into a footwear store and try a product and buy it. So we're just thinking about him. How would he want a shoe to be designed? You know, what can we bring, uh, you know, considering our knowledge and, and, and all our experience and make a product like that. And what we did was first is, uh, like I said, we wanted to prove it to ourselves, a venture can exist. Yeah. We could have, you know, hired a bunch of consultants, uh, hired people from Footway Space, and we could have asked them, you know, Chalo batao ki ek we didn't take that route. Hmm. Like, background big projects when I had flexibility in work. I never used to travel every day to work. So I took this as an opportunity. We split multiple footwear hubs uh, between me and Amar and we said, we'll go to all these hubs. We'll stay there for seven, 10 days as a prospective manufacturer and go to their factory and understand how shoes are being made. Right? And post uh, a month or if we can figure out something that helps us create a comfortable shoe, that's when we'll discuss the next steps, right? Let's not be too premature. Let's gain knowledge. If we don't know the space enough, then we, uh, you know, we are not the right people to bring this, uh, you know, into the market. So I took, you know, I traveled to China, I traveled to Turkey, I traveled to Italy, I traveled to parts in India, I went to Hong Kong, I went to South Korea, and, you know, spent uh, several days there, understand, Managing sourcing design, and uh, what I found was, uh, you know, how shoes are made. Right, I always knew the technicalities of it, but I understood that everything that goes in a traditional shoe is all made with synthetic materials. Yeah, these are all chemically loaded. None of these are natural, right? They un. In fact, uh, a staggering number is the footwear space alone emits 15% of the carbon dioxide in the atmosphere all around the world. Right, it consumes a lot of water, a lot of chemicals. So we said, there's got to be a better way to do this. Right? There's got to be better materials that we should look at. Right? And, and that's when we pivoted saying, we'll create a comfortable product, 
but we'll do it with the best of natural fibers. We'll not, uh, you know, do it with uh, synthetic materials. Interesting. Uh, cool. So I think uh, also there's another point, Taran, which you mentioned that you know the pain point for you to uh, figure out the pain point. It was majorly through your personal need. Uh, and you said that you also mentioned that you know researching about whether the market is big enough or not any parameters firstly you had around the size of the pain point and you know as an advice to uh, say an aspiring entrepreneur uh, you know discovering the pain point uh, would the founder uh, you know should rather the founder rely on the pain point which you know the founder themselves have experienced or you know whether they've you know seen you know outside uh... so it's a combination of both right uh, yeah not in every case uh, you're gonna have a personal pain point right? yeah uh, the story could be different the journey could be different you could have seen this pain point within family within friends or just from consumers or through your work experience so you know identifying that pain point is critical and mm. what you do next with the pain point is extremely important right in investing terms, there's a term called, you know, TAM, right? Total addressable market. Yep. Right. So that's something that I started digging into right now. Being in consulting for so long, I, I quickly knew uh, that, uh, you know, just uh, my pain is if I have to do this thing up, I am not willing, I'm, I'm not going to starting a brand and putting all this effort for selling 10 products, 50 products, 100 products. So, you know, we've got to sell a million customers, right? Or 10 million customers in a year so how do we get that number what's the right market right and uh, uh, this is a very uh, you know, personal joke right or, or something that me and my wife used to always used to think about now I'll, I'll give you why i'll give you a reason you know why i picked india right yeah in, in india has uh, you know a lot of upcoming brands in the last couple of years right now i've uh, being in America fueled my daily workouts on Greek yogurt. Right now, Greek yogurt has 50 to 20 grams of protein, just 100 to 150 calories. So whenever my wife used to go to grocery shopping, or I used to go grocery shopping, right? We used to get 20 or 30 Greek yogurts uh, for a week. Hmm. And uh, I had seen a brand called, you know, Epigamia launch in India, you know, do well. And within just three years, make a mark. And, yeah. and my wife used to, when I used to push my wife in 2016 saying, hey, let's go back to India, right? she used to ask me, how are you going to get Greek yogurt? How are you going to get healthy food in India? How are you going to get healthy juices? Right? And look here in 2018, right? Uh, Raw Presby had, had already made a mark. Right? Epigamia had people like you know, Deepika backing them in 2018, 2019. So people, so India had changed. Right? Uh, India was willing to accept new products, new brands, right? uh, new methodologies of selling. And so I watched Indian space very closely. Now India is the second largest, you know, footwear hub in India after, you know, America. Yeah. But the consumption happens at 1000 rupees, 1500 rupees, right? But my product is at, at 5000 rupees. So we've done a deep dive, a lot of market survey, right, on uh, how much could this premium market, you know, become over the next couple of years? And we saw a, a huge opportunity between the 3,500 to 5,000 rupee space, 
right? Now the okay. bigger brands, the Adidas and the Nikes, all spend upwards of seven thousand, eight thousand, right? Yeah. And and what a consumer pays for them is purely brand value. And then there's nothing. Then everything else is around the five hundred thousand, fifteen hundred, two thousand rupee brands, right? Who focus heavily on discounting, mass production, no quality product. So there's a big tent between three thousand to five thousand. And and so he said, you know, we could come in, make a mark, and and you know, build it. And this uh, market is large enough, with so many Western brands coming into India in the last couple of years, right? So we've done a lot of research on uh, how long did these brands take up, and how did they get to several hundreds of crores of revenue. Hmm. So that's how we made our strategy. Sure, sure. So, I mean, so when you were, uh, you mentioned that you know you, uh, you had traveled a lot, uh, Turkey, China. Uh, were you by any chance also, uh, you know, uh, working your, uh, working at the same time, doing your job, continuing with your job at the same time, or, uh, uh, or when was the point when you decided that you know you're quitting your job and finally you know giving full time? Because I mean, at the end of the day. Financially, uh, it's it's a very big decision to to let go of of a stable uh, earning job and go full time into this. Where you know you know that you know you won't get immediate uh, returns uh, initially. So uh, I kept working, right? Uh, hmm. Now uh, there were a couple of ways that I could have started. Uh, you know, Neemans, right? Uh, yeah. There's a lot of research that was involved in in creating this brand, right? Uh, there was a lot of travel. Footwear in general is uh, a very difficult market, you know, to get into because of the amount of investment that it takes in product development and and research and coming up with the right you know shoe design, the right shoe molds, the right shoe specs. Hmm. So I needed capital for all of that, right? And uh, that's where my job, you know, was truly helpful because I was, uh, you know, high-profile consultant. I used to pick projects wherein I had the flexibility, you know, to for work. Hmm. So what I used to do was when I used to travel, I used to I picked up Asia because of the whole velocity and you know the magnitude and perhaps the zeal and the knowledge that you know different parts in Asia had in footwear manufacturing. So I picked Asia, and the advantage that I got with picking Asia was the time zone. So, in when I was in in Asia, you know, working and and getting this product and research up and running, meeting with factories, I used to work real time. So that that means um, in the US daytime, right? I was up here in the hotel room in the night working, and uh, when it was night, I was up in the factory. So I oh. I kept doing that. Uh, and i quit my job the day i launched neemans so the research for neemans started early 2017 yeah and we launched in december 2018 for good uh, you know 16 17 months i used to do both we had an office right from april 2019 in india we had people couple of interns and people working so we started hiring in april 2019 itself uh, mm. right and then the day we launched And this, uh, sorry, I, April two thousand seventeen was was the day we started, you know, hiring people. Yeah. And we launched on December two thousand and eighteen. And when we launched, uh, a few days before us launching, I, you know, just booked a one-way flight 
and mm. I came back. And 15 days post me launching Neemans, I I quit my job. Quite. I mean, there's a lot. I must say that went into it. Uh, I mean, it's. I mean, you hear this a lot that uh, you know being a founder is the most uh, difficult thing. It's actually easier said than done. When you you know listen to the story, uh, then only you can get to know the exact magnitude of the efforts uh, which go into it. Uh, yeah, and I had my wife, my kid. Uh, you know, they didn't move until uh, December two thousand nineteen. So they were away from me for a year, year and a half. I have a you know three and a half, four year old kid, and I'm glad that I was able to shift them, sell my property before covid hit uh, and and stuck america so bad so it was just the right timing i my wife uh, is part of means but uh, you know she was helping us with the marketing strategy but she had a full time job so i didn't want her to let it go until i i gotten means up to a certain level and i could afford paying her a salary so she was very passionate and she wanted to join from day one but i had a mortgage to pay at our house in america so we wanted to keep it uh, up and running and the day i i could afford her salary was uh, the day i asked her to come back to india amazing i think this is something which uh, probably you've talked about us it for the very first time i think in our interaction previously as well uh, this is something which was uh, you know which wasn't uh, touched before it's uh, it's amazing uh, to know really so i mean coming back to you know the product uh, uh tarun why uh, why wool i mean you know if you think about wool and india they they don't go together i mean probably uh, most part of india woolen and uh, india i mean they are basically oxymorons uh, so how uh, how did wool you zero in in, in on you know wool as a as a starting fabric of your product so uh, the idea was to create an amazing product right and uh, the idea was to create a comfortable product and when we you know noticed uh, what goes into making a product then we narrowed it down saying we look at natural fibers and when we started looking at natural fibers we zeroed it down into cotton we looked at hemp we looked at bamboo after making several prototypes right uh, the one challenge that we had was nobody you know knew about these materials in terms of shoe making right not many people in the world in general ever imagine footwear to be made with these kind of materials they were used in textiles they used in socks they were used in t-shirts right but yeah. not in shoes they're not as strong to be used in shoes but i own a lot of merino wool t-shirts right and merino wool is very different from the wool that we have grown up wearing in india wool comes from sheep and there are about six different types of sheep in the world hmm. and depending on how fine you know the wool you buy and where it is bought the properties of of the wool completely changes right something that uh, you know a regular buyer doesn't know and i'd worn a lot of merino wool t-shirts in my workouts right they were amazing right yeah so we started with a few fibers uh, you know the product was not good enough i didn't like it we you know we moved out from it and we said why don't we do something with merino wool we i know about this product so much it's it has a beautiful feeling to it the moment you touch it 
right? It has great uh, moisture absorbing capability. So when I used to work out during my workout, during my gym sessions, right? How much ever I sweat, uh, the t-shirt used to absorb all that sweat and the odor, uh, you know, release was extremely less from any other synthetic or polyester t-shirts that other brands use. Hmm. So I said, this could be a great property in a shoe, right? Odor and uh, is, is a very big pain point that I can address. So I got two pain points. I said, okay, there is comfort. It's so soft. But if we are able to you know, utilize and get some amazing properties of Merino wool, then the product will have a lot of uniqueness to it. Yeah. Right? It will have a lot of uh, amazing features to talk about. So that's when we started digging deep into this. right? And we got some experts from Australia who understood what Merino wool is. Right? We got Woolmark into the picture. Woolmark is a non-profit organization which is funded by Australian Marino Wool farmers and Australian mm. government, which has offices all around the world and spreads Marino Wool usage. Mm. So I went to their Hong Kong office, I went to their New York office, I went to their India office and convinced them that India could be a great market for Marino Wool. I'll spread the awareness of Marino Wool and get it to a common man now. Woolmark has been sitting in Mumbai for about last 30 years. But oh. they've been, they've penetrated only to companies like Raymond, Brooks Brothers. So they sell a suit which is at 30,000, 40,000, 50,000 rupees. Yeah. So a common man doesn't know about Marino Wool. So I, I pitched on to them that you help me create the right materials. You just give me your support because you understand the challenges that Marino Wool has. You give me your expertise, your knowledge, and I will ensure that within a year or two I will you know buy so much of merino wool from you guys and the people in India would know about merino wool that that can increase the adoption hmm. so I sold them my idea I pitched to them and I got them on board and today they are our marketing partners and they've collaborated with us in, in you know, creating the entire uh, supply chain in some way Though they don't own the supply chain, it's just us who build the entire supply chain. But we've got technical help from them wherever needed. So we've created yeah. a product, right, uh, which is uh, suitable for Indian weather conditions, right? Now, India is, is very diverse. India is secular in terms of religion and it's very diverse in terms of food, right? Now, you travel 50, 100 kilometers, you'll see that. That city has a culture of its own, food of its own, and the weather is completely different. So we said, our materials have to adapt to that weather. Right? Yeah. So we spent about a year and a half and uh, and created those entire materials. So our product is just not suitable for winter. You know, it adapts based on body temperature and outside temperature, and it keeps the wearer you know cool in summers and warm in winters. Right, and it's even machine washable. It's water resistant. So we've gone through that grind and that hustle of ensuring that, you know, you can wear this during monsoons, right, during peak summers. In fact, I've tested it in 50 degrees centigrade in Mexico. No. And I've worn it in a seven-day trip in Mexico, right, had no challenges uh, uh, at all wearing the shoe without a sock in peak summer and up there. Amazing. Amazing. Okay, so, uh, I mean, the next stage, uh, Taran, of course, is, uh, you know, bootstrapping, uh, which is, you know, putting in your capital, uh, thinking about, uh, you know, being 
self-sustaining in terms of the operations of the venture are concerned. Uh, help our listeners understand, you know, uh, you know, during the phase of, you know, bootstrapping, what are the top three or four, uh, sort of, you know, priorities or, you know, considerations which, uh, you know, you uh, and the founding team uh, had in mind? Right. So I come from a very product background, so I go very deep into product marketing, right? And, you know, how do I sell my product? How big can this become? Now, the reason I got my co-founder and my brother involved is he's a very traditional uh, you know, guy or a very traditional businessman who started his first venture when he was 22, 23, right? Yeah. So he doesn't understand things like, you know, burning capital, right? He doesn't understand, uh, you know, all that stuff. He doesn't believe in all that stuff. He be, he's a numbers guy. You know, he believes in discipline. He believes in, uh, you know, launching with the right market. He believes in numbers. He believes in unit economics, right? So yeah. he brought that discipline within that venture very early on, right? And, uh, you know, considering his background, I wanted him to be involved. And, and his background was truly testimony. So how we started looking at this was that this space was entirely new. Right? Mm. There's no footwear bag brands that have come up in the past. So that we couldn't draw inspiration. We couldn't consult any, any footwear brands as to how to approach this space, how to cut down. Mm. So it was us who had to figure everything out. And we said, uh, you know, for us to get it to a certain level, right, and to get people excited about it, we have to create an MVP, we have to create a minimal viable product, right? We have to uh, build the capability in-house, yeah. right, from marketing to product development. And then get to a point on how I can explode this thing up and how, you know, make it huge. So we uh, created uh, a goal for us, right, in, in a year that we'll try to, you know, approach these many customers, sell these many products, get into these many geographies and look at spending this much amount of capital towards performance marketing and towards branding. Okay. So for, for every decision that we took, right, there was there was certain sense to madness, right? Uh, though we started experimenting quickly, right, because I believe in learning fast and, and you know, failing fast and again learning very quickly, we started experimenting with multiple different advertising platforms multiple different uh, you know, social media platforms, spends, and we quickly understood what is working for us. And then we started doubling down along the same, and we brought some discipline around it, saying, you know, we've got to spend X, and we've got to recoup at least 3X or 4X, right? That's how yeah. we'll be able to sustain our, our monthly expenses, and that's what we kept doing. Yeah, because I think, uh, you know, apart from the operations, uh, if you see a, a new age consumer brand in India, I think marketing and branding is has become a very, very key component to it. So help me understand, I mean, Taran, I think you've touched, mentioned this before that, you know, your co-founder is a numbers guy, very conservative. Uh, was there a deliberate, deliberate attempt or a thought process behind, you know, selling through through your own website, I mean, you know, the orders 
should come through your website uh, and and what was uh, what was the basis of uh, of of that uh, thesis or sure so when we created the product right now yeah. uh, i have seen the product coming to life we created our first samples and we given it to friends family in fact my dad still has the first ever sample that i made hmm. he still wears it right hmm. we given it to a lot of friends a lot of earlier backers right they loved yeah. the product and we took a lot of feedback and then evolved it the day we i really felt confident about the product that this will do well is is the day we launched and when we started you know thinking about launch the question that all you know what was coming in our head was what's the right launch strategy right what's the right selling place for the product right and we narrowed it down into three three major channels so the first idea that we had was you know, the traditional issues are sold in india right for so long yeah you know you open up retail stores and uh, then get uh, you know you open them at a location where you have reasonable foot traffic people walk into your store they try the product and they sell it so we had decent capital right uh, we said should we open three stores across the country right we know that bangalore would be a hot market delhi would be good hyderabad is uh, a great market because we belong from hyderabad and we understand the people here so getting a store up and running here would be reasonably easy for us but then we started doing deep dive on the numbers we said if we you know spend on acquiring these three stores right all the infrastructure we don't have enough capital left left for marketing right why is somebody going to walk into a, a store of an unknown brand yeah right and buy the product first so again started doing the why with the foot traffic i may be able to sell 100 shoes in a month per store or 200 shoes or maybe 300 shoes how does that keep growing uh and and we said uh, this doesn't suffice the purpose even if i look open it in a very prime location you know people wouldn't know about the brand i still have to spend on marketing i still have to spend on branding right i still have to of educate course. consumers on what this product stands i think uh, probably the yeah. the design of the yeah. retail stores the designing of the retail stores also has to go with the uh, you know what the brand what your brand is trying to convey from the design perspective and even from the whole magnitude perspective right saying yeah. after we open three stores what happens next right how much growth can i get month over month right and after spending this mammoth amount of capital on you know retail space how much capital am i keeping for marketing and branding after spending so much on inventory and so they said this is not a viable option this should be done at a later course of time then we said uh, the second route is again a traditional route wherein you approach you hire five or seven sales guys you approach top distributors top wholesalers in the country and you ask them you motivate them to keep neiman's shoes right and then they will sell it to their customers yeah we again we said if in a store neiman's is kept beside a nike or reebok or you know any other brand hmm. consumer doesn't know about the product and again there is this would would be the right strategy to launch so we kind of shelved this idea and during this time right the number of people that were surfing the web in india had grown you know tens maybe into 10 or maybe into 50 right just hmm. with jio coming into the market slashing the data rates 
people from tier 3, tier 4 and all over the country were able to surf web and buy products on Amazon Flipkart, right? So we said this is a great time to launch YR website, right? And we could use all the capital, bootstrapping capital for marketing, for brand building and, you know, rely on, on content marketing. Use innovative techniques to drive people on our website and try and make them understand why a product like Neiman's is better than any other product out there, right? And, and how Neiman's fits their life, right? Yeah. So, and through this, you could reach a million consumers, right? In a, in a heartbeat, you could advertise, you could ads to people at a rupee or less than a rupee in certain mediums, right? With data rates being so low, we said, you know, this is a great time for us to, you know, go to market and footwear market online advertising it wasn't it's still not penetrated enough right the footwear the the whole retail space is just five percent right uh, the, absolutely the d2c space so there's a lot of penetration that can be done if you make it easy for a consumer to buy products online so that's what we looked at sure and uh, so post that uh, you know of course the uh, you know when you validated your product uh, you've uh, reached a certain certain decent amount of uh, you know scale in terms of numbers sales uh, you know help us understand when did this this thought of you know raising first thought of raising external capital uh, came about i mean what was when did you think that this is the right right time to raise external capital and why so um, right um Right when I started looking at Neiman's, right, I uh, was very clear in my head that I'm not going to build this as just a traditional business, right? The idea for Neiman's was to become a global brand, right? I'd spoken to a lot of people uh, in India and in abroad saying, which is one Indian footwear brand that you could relate to from a persona perspective, from an inspirational perspective, from talking about it to your friends, peers, and mentioning that, you know, you own these products. Mm. And none of them have an answer, right? None of them ever had an answer. And uh, saying, this is an Indian footwear brand that I truly love and I back. Everybody said, you know, uh, in terms of Western brands, there are so many, right? But in Indian, there's none, right? So I said, this is something that I want to create. Yeah. So it was very clear if I had to get to that magnitude, it required external capital. The only idea was why and, and you know, why for them and when for me. Right? Yes. So when we had some prototypes, uh, I started talking to a few investors in the country, right? And these were people who were from, you know, the consumer space, right? Uh, hmm. Now, I had been away from India for so long, right? I had, I was 12 years away from it, so I lost all the connects. Uh, all my friends, you know, were in, uh, in America. So a lot of, I didn't know a lot of investors here. So I did what I could do best. Yeah. I started doing cold messaging, I started doing cold calling, I started talking to, you know, mutual connects and, you know, trying to get them to me to introduce to all these investors. And I got a few meetings. And with these few meetings, few pitchings, the questions were pretty clear, right? One was, uh, why would you want to launch such an expensive product in India? Right? Mm. People wouldn't understand, it would require a lot of capital. So all these things were... Uh, these apprehensions were clear from multiple people. Yeah. So I quickly understood, right? And, and I knew back then that uh, 
I wouldn't. India isn't mature enough for me to just come with a prototype and somebody gives me a five million dollar check or a two million dollar check. It doesn't happen like that, right? And it's I for them as well. It's not fair. I would rather take all the hard steps and and then use their capital during the growth growth stage. So during that time, I just created acquaintance. I you know started getting in touch with them and told them I will reach out when I have something to show them. Yeah. So I went back. and uh, i started focusing on you know how we slowly create a product market fit how do we sell you know 100 products a month to 300 to 500 to 700 products a month we started dwelling on that hmm. and we made a board map right and when after 3 months of launch fifth month five months of launch we had five consistent months right and by then i had a lot of organic reach because of our advertising because of the amount of appreciation that we got among the press right uh, and we were we started getting talked about it uh, different startup bound founders started tweeting about us tweeting about us started talking about us right so we got a lot of organic uh, you know uh, brand pull via that a lot of investors started reaching out and that's when uh, you know i started thinking about how we could use the investment capital and when should we use it and and that was very clear in my head that I'll use it at a, at the growth stage right yeah when uh, we are ready to take in capital when we had you know a team that could you know could actually fuel this capital and and take this from 500 dollars a month to 1000 to 1500 2000 is the time when we actually raised capital sure because i think uh... uh taran i still remember you know when we met the first time and uh, you made your pitch it was over the phone uh yeah. i don't know if you uh, how much of that you remember i remember and that uh, I, i think uh, probably when we met in person it was a very very brief conversation the, the meeting that you're talking about right or the event i had flown in from america there was a startup event yeah yeah just to attend that startup event and uh, get to meet you know 10 20 30 investors in a room and actually pitched them the idea so Correct. i think it was you guys i pitched several who had told me to launch this in america in europe and don't get to india <laughs> and i did yeah i know several people who i i still you know were ping me and they told me you know don't get to india koi nahi kharidega yahan pe right so i said we'll see uh, that's amazing i think that's an amazing example of self determination and belief taran uh, uh, so i mean yeah actually you touched upon this point you know fundraising is is serious business it is you know it takes a lot of time at the same time you know you've got to take care of the business and you know there are multiple no's before there is a yes uh, so i mean you know to also you know to our uh, listeners you know how to how did you keep yourself motivated uh you know during this time and what advice you know would you give to you know founders who are looking to raise capital because you know it's it's not a 100% conversion i think i mean if probably 6 or 7 will say no and probably after that you know you get a yes so the first thing sure so the first thing that i'll advise you know folks is to understand you know to realize that every business is not fundable right mm-hmm. what you need to understand is there is a startup and there is a business right there could be one business uh, wherein 
you could be making a lot of money in the end the business becomes quickly profitable and you could make several crores turnover right yeah but for an investor that business may not make sense so for an investor the business will only make sense if he sees a magnitude of 10x 20x 30x if he sees that whole market maturing it out in a way that he can actually come in and make uh, you know uh, that kind of return so from an investor point of view we've got to understand that he would look at the market size right so if the market is not big enough then he's not going to jump in that's not that's the investor side of the story now i'll talk about the founder side of the story yeah it purely from the founder side of the story what we've got to look at is who's the right person that you want to go to business right and understand what scale you are at so if you are at an early stage right uh, one advice that i'll that i have personally learned is don't run behind you know venture uh, vcs very early right mm. because they would want to look at that kind of return the market they would want to see a proof in the pudding right so it's it's good to work with a handful of people maybe get some capital from people who actually know you right who understand your ability so get some capital from friends and family right bootstrap with that capital and get it to you know a certain magnitude get some revenue get some paid customers then get to angel investors right these angel investors you know would take up lunch uh, you know combine 5 10 15 people who have uh, you know experience who have you know who will give you some level of learning right yeah because you are uh, being a founder being an entrepreneur stuff right so you would want people who you could just pick up the phone and just call them send a message and share your thoughts right get some you know uh, experience from them so angel investors are great in that sense right so mm. get them as your second round right and and that could get up to you know depending upon the business it could give you $500,000 to a million completely depends upon what venture you are in and once you prove you know to them then the next round you could you could pitch on to vcs right and and get a sequence seasonable amount of chunk So, what I would advise is, uh, you know, do a research on who you want to work with, right? And what what's in it for you uh, in working with these people, right? If you're putting our, uh, you know, heart and soul in building a business, then we we have the right of working with the right person, right? Because in the end, it's a it's a two-way street, right? Once you raise capital, the investors are going to be with you for at least five to seven years, right? The exit doesn't come in two to three years. Yeah. So you need to have the right people on your cap table. You need to have the right people who are going to keep motivating you and keep pushing you along this journey. Right. And it'll take multiple pictures, right? Multiple flights. Now I've been in flights. I've you know sat in coffee shops for whole day for just one meeting, and I've taken all the opportunities you know to meet people. When people used to tell me to you know we'll do a Zoom call, I used to say no, I'll come and meet you face to face. Because if I'm getting time out of somebody, I want to pitch them face to face. That just just me, right? Uh, so I I like people. I like meeting people. I like showing them my product. And if they wear it, um, you know, then the confidence on the product is there. So if you are from a food space, right, get them to taste it. You no know, better than they tasting the product and then actually telling it, telling you their personal opinion. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, everything was. was moving you know you got your capital but you know as they say uh, a startup a venture and you know is like is like a life is like life you know both are you know very un- unpredictable i think you know in the light of recent events the 3 4 months gone by uh, 
uh, with the uh, coronavirus uh, happening, uh, you know, what was what was the immediate impact, you know, specifically in your case, you know, I'm sure it would be the supply chain because the global supply chain just, you know, got frozen. So, you know, how did you uh, deal with it and are still uh, dealing with, uh, with it? Sure. So for us, we were, uh, you know, sitting on an all-time high, right? Now we, we closed around right in January, you know, the funds came in the bank in February. And we had, uh, this was the first time during March that we were launching seven or eight new colors, right? Yeah. Now, as a brand, we were uh, very particular on, you know, testing and and then evolving. Hmm. So we had for a year, just had limited amount of inventory, limited colors, right? And we brought in safer options and we were waiting uh, to evolve from that safe stage and, and broaden up product category with multiple range to go deep dive and with fundraise we were pretty bullish right we had the capital to scale we got about 10 15 new colors and multiple products improved the product five times with you know with all the different product feedback that we've got so a lot of things were fueled in we had a massive campaign and with one of the big celebrities in the country a lot of capital was fueled towards it and so we launched in march first week right yeah and within the first 15 days we'd done you know way more than what we had done in a month in the last 12 12 months right we in 15 days we were clocking you know two times three times of, of and planning you know how we should get our next uh, you know round of inventory looking at products everything right so we were all aggressive we placed orders and and we were sitting pretty and though I had foreseen something like this coming, but what I had not foreseen is, uh, you know, non-essential brands not allowed to ship across the country. So with mm. sudden lockdown, right, and us not able to operate, we went to zero revenue, right? So we went to standstill. Uh, there were 300 odd shoes that were floating across the country that mm. were not that were now stuck at warehouses of you know FedEx, DHL, and all these companies. We'd informed all those customers and, you know, we just got into zero for the next 15 days in March and, you know, zero in April and so on. So what we started looking at during this time was, you know, we quickly understood the wave, right? We understood that things are beyond our control, right? We can't do much. Now, one thing that happened for us was our supply chain comes from multiple parts of the world and yeah. they were stuck with COVID before India. So they started getting out of it. Mm. Right, mm. and because of our fundraise, we had enough, uh, you know, stock. So I think, uh, you know, in terms of stock, in terms of supply chain, we were not hit. But what we were hit was in from the demand side and from the shipping side, right? Because they're not allowed now. We we stopped advertising because the consumer is not going to buy, right? Yeah. Because the consumer knows that uh, he's he's not going to get a product. He's not allowed to step out of his house. So why is he going to buy? So that's when we said, okay, uh, there's nothing that we could do, right? Uh, there's no point thinking about selling because we can't sell. So what do we do? We started looking at all the low hanging fruits, right? We started, uh, you know, putting more horsepower in our content. We started looking at a video was getting amazing views on, on Instagram organically. People were 
watching videos way more than they're doing it earlier. They started consuming way more content in stories in Facebook. So we started spending a lot of time in consuming content and trying to focus on sustainability, watch better during these times. A lot of engaging content. So one side of that was was that piece. And then some low-hanging fruits where we started looking at right what we should do around product development, right? Because uh, we have a lot of time on our hands, right? And we started looking at what should be the next wave of you know shoes that Neemans you know should come out with. Hmm. We started doing a lot of research on improving the existing uh, you know products and. So I would say, because things were beyond our control, we started working on things which were in our control. We started onboarding a few, you know, which were pending for a long time. So we started talking to a lot of, you know, software companies. We got that onboarded. A lot of product development, a lot of content strategy, and then we started waiting. You know, when we'll be allowed to ship it. Yeah, and yeah. and. Uh... Uh, you know, it's it's one thing about you know managing the the business, the product aspect, branding, and it's uh, you know a very Herculean task I must say to to manage the team together. You know, keeping the team together because that was the time where you know we were hearing news of layoffs. The morale of the team was you know everywhere. You know, the working class was at at an all time low actually. So I mean, what what sort of management did the founders, uh, you know, thought of, you know, when it came to, you know, keeping the team uh, together, keeping the rest of the team, you know, sort of uh, motivated? Right. So we are with good team, right? I say close knit. Um, we are a young team, right? Um, we are about seventeen to twenty people, and the first thing that we did was we ensured the safety of all the employees, right? The day the country was in shutdown, from that day onwards, we we ensured the morale was high because all kinds of news started circulating about layoffs, right? like you rightly said, you know, the country uh, economically hit, right? Layoffs yeah. coming in from different parts of America. So you know, a lot of people started calling us saying, you know, you're not going to stop our salary, you're not going to do this, you're not going to do that. We said, no, that's not going to happen, right? We got into several Zoom meetings right now. Now 70% of our workforce is all women. Right. And all these women are home, you know, they take care of their family, they have kids. So one challenge that they started facing, you know, when they started working from home was, you know, they were expected to cook, right? They were expected to take care of the kids because they're home. Yeah. For them, you know, management of work and all these things start taking a hit. But mm. we gave them the flexibility, right? We calmed them down. Uh, work from home doesn't come naturally to us, right? Because we're of not course. used to it. Yeah. Yeah. We are so coming out of our uh, you know, homes. Uh, we are so used to meeting people, right? And then interacting it. So trying to get some softwares up, trying to get to you know a Zoom call in the morning, and then in the evening was was some you know some basic steps that we could do, right? Seeing everybody. You know, meeting them over a video call in the morning and then in the evening trying to understand how their day was you know what kind of family issues are they facing right just empathize empathizing with it trying to tell them that you know no matter what uh, you know the team is is extremely important to us right mm. so we we gave them the confidence that you know their job is secure uh, 
what we are doing here is real, right? And a couple of months of of uh, you know no business is not going to you know push us back, right? So we are going to keep doing what we are doing, and we'll keep working uh, for the day we'll be able to you know ship again, and then we'll we'll work towards how we have to create that demand. It's a lot of video calls, a lot of WhatsApp calls, right? And uh, some coffee events, some you know, virtual events help us you know, keep the morale up and, and just regular uh, speaking with these guys uh, was extremely important. And uh, no salary cuts. So what we done was we had you know we just delayed uh, the salary right? mm-hmm. in, in in certain months. So mm-hmm. There was no cut. That we've taken because everybody was working full time during during these three months. Yeah. So we, uh, our focus was how do we preserve capital, right? And yeah. as preserving capital, we as founders took the first hit. We said we're not going to draw any capital from the from the business, right? So we we went to a hundred percent pay cut. But for our employees, you know, depending on their pay bracket, um, we we delayed, uh, you know, the. The salaries for them, uh, mm-hmm. but we did not cut their salary during this time. I think that's an uh, that's an amazing feat, you know. Considering even the the largest of companies, uh, they also straight away went for the uh, you know uh, pay cuts and, and large chunks of it. But I mean, I think it's uh, it's quite inspirational even for the team to see the founder founders, you know, stepping ahead and taking the hit first uh, for them. I think that's probably the the essence of being a good leader and leading a, a team to lead by example. Absolutely, you can't preach if you don't do something, right? Um, Absolutely. Before you preach something, you you follow it. So we're very particular, right? And and uh, the several families that are dependent on on what they do here, right? So it's extremely important for them to, to ensure that uh, you know their kids, uh, you know, fees and everything has been taken care of. So we would never. You know, suddenly put them through the hammer, wherein you know they are struggling with their monthly expenses, and and then you know the efficiency goes down. Sure. Yeah. So would I want to that? So I think we are reaching towards the end of this, you know, very absorbing, uh, you know, discussion, Taran. Uh, you know, one last thing, you know, you know your views on specifically for the for the indian consumer brand space there's so much of opportunity in india i feel if product is good and if the product has the right distribution strategy right everything is execution right you'll have plenty of ideas you'll have plenty of uh, you know game changing uh, uh, thoughts that you'll come up with but uh, everything is execution and on the product right so if the execution is good and if the product is good Right then, the scale would definitely come. Right, getting it to 100, 200 crores in four or five years shouldn't be that big a problem if it's tackled and built the right way. Mm-hmm. Because there's in India, there's so much of opportunity because just the traditional brands have existed for so long, and it takes a, a mammoth effort from them to come up with new products, with new categories, and then to brainstorm because how big they are. So for us, you know. startups right we are very agile we come in we quickly launch we quickly test if it's not working we drop it if it's working then we build on it right so we should use that that strategy and and you know and and keep creating new product 
just look at demand and look at new channels of distribution, right? And and India would have you know plenty of you know hundred crore, three hundred crore brands in the next three five years, and maybe a consumer unicorn coming out of India could uh, could be something that we we will see very very soon, right? Yeah, of course, of course. I think uh, so. This is uh, I mean, COVID is a is a you know sort of a glitch, minor glitch, a blip. Uh, on the radar, I uh, think it is. Uh, it is yeah. a, a glitch, but it's people have used uh, and it still use it uh, in a very uh, you know to their advantage. Now there's some consumer brands, uh, you know, for lack of a better example, cosmetic brands, right? Yeah. Now we were thinking is if you're not stepping out of the door, why would you need a cosmetic brand? Why would you need a makeup, right? Hmm. So there, there's all kinds of things floating around, saying you know people the demand for uh, you know cosmetic brands is going to die out. But what's happening? I know several brands which are in the cosmetic space. They're doing way more online than they were doing pre-COVID, right? Yeah. It's all about uh, using the right marketing strategy, using the right channel of distribution, and using the right campaign to grab a user's attention. Because during this time, you know, even the advertising rates are at all-time low. So this is a great time to go all out, and and if you have the distribution capacity, if you have the warehousing in place, and if you're able to deliver to a consumer, you could lock, uh, you know, uh, you know, hundreds and thousands of deliveries during this time. Yeah, sure. I think uh, you know, uh, great things ahead uh, in store for uh, everyone. Uh, yeah. So I think this was fantastic, Taran. Thank you so much for taking out the time. Uh, you know, giving us the insights on your personal journey, on your you know fundraising journey, your current scenario. Uh, this was really an interesting session, and uh, I think uh, one thing after this podcast, uh, as a re- you know the result of this podcast would be you definitely would be coming in in the bad books of many husbands. in india because you mentioned that your wife said that you know make it happen you know make a shoe for yourself and you did it so you know from now onwards you know the wives would be expecting the same from their husbands that make it happen so <laughs> yeah 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 cool uh, thanks uh, thanks thanks taran thank you so much taran uh, it was a pleasure having you thank you so much for your time great appreciate it Thanks. So there you go folks this was the first of many to come I hope you like it do listen in meanwhile follow us on twitter our handle name is anikatf stay tuned for more Thank mm-hmm. you.